Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. There is a special bonus episode this week, a second episode to celebrate Mardi Gras and great Australian writing. This great conversation is with Alison Evans. Alison's debut novel, Ida, met with great success taking out the Victorian Premier's People's Choice Award and getting shortlisted for an Aurelius Award. In today's great conversation, Alison is discussing their latest novel, Highway Bodies. I am Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Final Draft explores the best of Australia's books, writing, and literary culture. And each week we feature an Australian writer to explore their work and communicate how it is tapping into the national conversation. The Great Conversations podcast is a chance to hear more of those discussions, the stuff that doesn't make it to air. Now, we're always looking to get the word out to more book lovers. So if you love books, if you love friends, why not join the two together, get them onto the podcast. If you both hit subscribe, there's a new episode every week and you've got a friend to discuss books with. Now, the end of the world seldom looks like you'd imagine it. In regional Victoria, the locals are getting bitey. When the internet goes down and a curfew is imposed, things are starting to look scary. Highway Bodies is a different kind of zombie apocalypse, taking the reader into the lives of a group of teenagers struggling to survive and define their identities while the world around them just wants to bite them. Discover this fantastic new Aussie YA horror novel on this week's Great Conversation with Alison Evans. I have got Alison Evans on the line to discuss their new novel, Highway Bodies. And when you last met Alison, we were speaking two years ago about their debut novel, Ida. It did pretty bloody well, taking out the Victorian Premier's People's Choice Award and getting shortlisted for an Aurelius Award. So welcome back to Final Draft, Alison. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, no, thank you for joining me. <laughs> How about we begin with a prelude to the apocalypse? The news reports indicate something's wrong, but the pollies are cautioning people not to panic. The internet's rubbish, nothing's on TV, and now there's a curfew. The end of the world seldom looks like you'd imagine it to. Eve has to kill her whole family after her dad goes feral and bites them. Rhea and Jojo's mum is getting threatening calls to go back into work at the hospital until one morning she disappears. And a band of musos practicing in a remote cabin return to town when the power and electricity go off. So, Alison, if, when the zombie apocalypse happens, it's, it's, it's likely that a band of humans will survive across the world. Bands of humans will survive across the world. We know that. Decades of pop culture zombie lore has taught us that much. What's important in a zombie narrative is who survives and what they do. So, tell me a little bit about your survivors. Oh, I think my survivors, they're all teenagers, roughly age between 14, 18. Um, they're all, uh, I don't know, they're all just, I just want to protect them. They're all very, <laughs> they're all very young and very hopeful about the world. Um, and really, I think their strength isn't in fighting, but in protecting each other. Um, yeah, they're just trying to, trying to keep each other safe, really. They are a wonderful group, mostly because yours yours is probably one of the most common sense zombie narratives I've <laughs> ever come across because, do you know what? You ask questions that I don't know why they've never come up before. Like, how the hell does a petrol station even work? Um and I, I forget, I forget whose whose voice you put this in. But someone also makes a comment along the lines of, 
they must just think guns pop out of the air when the zombies arrive. When they're, they're just sort of discussing the weapons that they're going to use. And, and I, I assume that was kind of a subtle dig at how zombie narratives do seem to be overpopulated with guns. Although, in, a, in fairness, a lot of them happen in America, which is overpopulated with guns. Yeah, yeah. I think the because guns are so foreign to me. Like, mm. um, yeah, I don't, I don't really think in Australia we would have them in a zombie apocalypse. Also, because they're just very loud, <laughs> um, and I don't know. Like, they would just attract zombies. Why would you use a gun? It it it, it confuses me really. Mm. <laughs> so zombies offer a lot of metaphysical potential considering uh, their reputation for drooling, moaning, and biting. (laughs) And often we see kind of metaphors, uh, ideas around mindless compliance associated with zombies or even rampant consumption and consumerism. In Highway Bodies, though, you present the arguable, I guess, greater danger of other survivors. There, There is a kind of cult out there seeking to, you know, bring survivors in and maintain a very rigid uh, kind of idea of humanity in the aftermath. Are there dangers beyond the the physical that we should be concerning ourselves here and maybe maybe writ large in the world? Yeah, I think like my main thing with the cult was kind of just they want a return to um, before the zombies. So like uh, quite rigid gender roles, heteronormativity. Everyone has to breed basically. Um, And I think that kind of refusal to move forward is sort of what I'm trying to talk about with them, Um, which I think, like, change can be very scary, but I think um, complacency is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) So how how then... um, Well, let's think about... I mean, the, the cult leader is Matt... Um, and he's he sort of has a lot at stake here because he he also has a, a child, uh, mm-hmm. a daughter in, in in the cult, who meets up with uh, Rhea and Jojo. How then does does that sort of interaction play out against the zombies? Like what what sort of dangers do do they face? Do do our characters face against the idea that it forces them basically to run into the path of zombies to get away from these these guys? Yeah, I think because zombies, they don't really mean harm. Like, like it's not intentional. They're just zombies. They just want to eat. Mm. But humans, uh, Matt wants to control, wants to control them. And I think that ultimately is what makes them leave. Like, mm. it's dangerous to go, but it's uh, it's pretty suffocating to stay. Yeah, and, and we, they wouldn't really have a proper life, I think. And and Jojo is really sort of forced to try and well, Matt instantly sort of looks and and assumes a, a certain thing about Jojo's gender identity, and then forces conformity. And then Raya, who is probably well, you you tell me who you think your strongest fighter is, but Raya is one of the strongest fighters. Dawn is probably you know. She's probably a little bit more um, more adept in her mysterious ways, but Rhea mm. doesn't really get the chance to be sort of the kick-ass fighter that we know she is because of this. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, if she had stayed in the cult, she would have um, basically been forced to 
you know, be a traditional housewife. Mm. Um, I don't think she would have liked that because she is quite good at fighting. And um, I think that's also, it's quite sad, um, you know, because she's just, she's just a teen. She shouldn't have to fight. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think when she does get to kind of prove herself a little bit, she, she does shine a lot. So let's put um, let's put our protagonists uh, in context here and and the, the shuffling undead that they're facing off against. Can you give us some reference points? What were you thinking about and picking up on in Highway Bodies? What were, what are your zombie influences and inspirations? Uh, well, I haven't. I've watched like Shaun of the Dead um, and The Walking Dead, but apart from that, um, I think the only zombie book I've read is the Feed series by. Um, uh, uh, Mira Grant. Mm. Um, actually, I've only read the first one because I was too scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, I just wanted to use the tropes in kind of a way that seemed more familiar to me because there aren't really a lot of Australian zombie apocalypse narratives. Mm. I know there are some, but I, I, um, I guess almost wanted to take a kind of Mad Max-esque vibe Mm. You know, like in the in the third one, how they're all wearing like cricket gear to protect themselves. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm did, not sure really. Did any did any of the zombie lore kind of matter much to you? Were you were you deep thinking whether they were going to be fast zombies or slow zombies, or did the 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 origin of the virus was that sort of in the back of your mind? Um, kind of at first, and then I sort of realized that the origin wasn't important to this story. Mm. Um, so I was just, I was deliberately vague with that. Um, and then the zombies are kind of fast and slow, um, which was kind of on purpose, um, because I think that makes them more unpredictable, kind of more scary. Yeah. You also, I, I noticed there were some really interesting things that you did, like zombies that hadn't fed for a while seemed to be weaker. Youngies, younger zombies were stronger than older zombies, just maintaining some of those aspects of, of the humanity that they'd, they'd sort of just lost. Yeah, I think that also makes them scarier um, because they're more human that way, I think, um, which is terrifying because it's like, what if you're killing a human who is, like, kind of still aware of stuff, but is, like, controlled by a zombie virus, like, you don't know. Um, yeah, I just... Making them kind of more familiar in that way is is kind of... kind of turning towards the Uncanny Valley-ish, um, which it, it scares me, really freaks me out. <laughs> um, a line from, from quite late in the book, uh, and I think this was Eve... It's so hard to think of it as an it and not a person. All, mm. your, all your characters struggle with acts of depersonalization, and particularly when it comes to language. So how, how does the zombie apocalypse reflect? There is actually a point um, where you have them sort of wondering, what, what pronoun am I using as this zombie sort of shuffles before me? And, and there is a lot of angst around... Well, Am I killing someone here? How does a zombie ap- apocalypse reflect the way we, we think about humanity and also, I guess, the way we blindly use things like personal pronouns in, in language every day? Yeah, well, I think um, gender is a big uh, theme in my life. 
Um, and it can be really uh, dehumanizing when someone knows that I'm just I'm going to use myself as an example. Like when I tell someone that I use they pronouns that I'm not female, and then they disregard what I've said and just carry on as if I didn't say anything, and that um, it kind of makes you feel not real. Um, and then to do that to someone else um, leaves you feeling really uncomfortable. Like, I think it's Jojo that says that line about <laughs> what pronouns do I use for a zombie? Um, and it's because they would have in their life probably been called an it. Um, I know I have, and it doesn't feel good. <laughs> mm. um, but it's like... Yeah, I guess because you don't know if the zombie is still human in some way. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just kind of an uncomfortable thought that I had <laughs> that I thought I would sort of put in there. I guess yeah. I guess also the presumption that something is and isn't, is or isn't human just because mm. of the way they present, even if it is, you know, maybe missing an arm type of thing. Throughout, I noticed your protagonists, as they meet each other, and this is often in like high-octane, bitey situations, um, they are able to introduce themselves and acknowledge the pronouns that they use. Do you think, kind of given that every everyday situations we find ourselves in, there's a lot less biting um, and it's it's much less apocalypsy, that this is maybe something we should all be managing? Um, I think I would like to see that. Um, I think... it we're kind of heading that way, like, eventually. Um, I just thought it might not be realistic in in those kind of dangerous scenes, but also it was important to me. Um, and I think doing that helps to um, naturalise it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, even though it might not be a thing that's normal now, I think it could be a thing that is normal eventually. Um, so, like, it would make sense eventually for them to do that mm. while being in danger. <laughs> it it kind of jumped out to me. I'm not sure if this was your intention, but our our characters by default, I'm not giving anything away here, uh, go through loss. Um most of them presume, even if they don't know that their families are all dead, this is a zombie apocalypse, uh, they, they acquire things that help them survive and then lose them. And I, it struck me that something as simple as that, as being able to acknowledge your identity in that way, and made a lot of sense. Like, hey, well, I'm losing things on a daily basis. Here is something that I can hold on to, and I want to I give it to you so that you can help me hold on to it. Um, I, I, that was something that really jumped out at me that was quite special about these characters and the way they interacted. Mm, yeah, that's yeah, that's really nice. I think that, um, that is that is what I'm trying to do. I don't think I've quite put it into words, um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. In um, in your afterword, you talk about this book being very much about love for you. Um, which brings me to my next question, which is, of course, about death, because death is everywhere in a novel like Highway Bodies. And I, I imagine, although you've told me you've told me now a couple of times that you find sort of zombie narratives can be quite scary, 
<laughs> I, I imagine it was fun to get creative in writing sort of gruesome zombie beheadings. Was it difficult to confront the mortality of your living characters in the novel? It was. Um, my, my editor at one stage was like, you know, you're being too kind to them. You have to, you have to stop protecting them. <laughs> they have to lose things because it's, you know, it's, it's a zombie apocalypse. They can't all be safe all the time. Um, yeah, so killing them was really hard. <laughs> you, do, you, do, you don't have to spoil anything here because I, I was sort of imagining were you ever tempted to, to keep everyone alive or were you thinking, no, if I'm going to kill someone, I have to kill everyone? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like... Um, one thing I have noticed in other zombie things is usually there's only like one or two survivors. And I think, um, I don't know how to talk about this without spoiling everything. Um, but, yeah, it was tricky deciding who will live and who will die. <laughs> um, very just emotionally uh, um, hard, really. And, of course, any ending. And there's no riding off into the sunset in a zombie <laughs> story. <laughs> there's uh, yeah. Best case scenario... The world is still ending, and there's zombies everywhere. And we're in we're in fraught territory here because we do not want to spoil anything. Because as as we keep talking about any zombie novel, as much as you might enjoy a bit of gruesome kind of you know zombie action, hinges on the characters. So we have to let people go and discover the characters. So my my last question for you is actually a personal question about about yourself. Did exploring all the apocalyptic scenarios change anything about the way you live your life? Have you become like a survivalist type person now? Do you go everywhere with like a, a survival pack? <laughs> um, no, I think I I would be pretty useless in the zombie apocalypse. Um, so <laughs> my plan is, uh, uh, I don't know, I just don't think I would survive. <laughs> well, I mean, by and, by and large, you know, the zombie apocalypse comes, we're all just an assortment of lollies in like a mixed yeah. collection for the zombies. <laughs> not yeah. not many people are getting out. No, no. Um, I, I mean, I do have an Allen key in my wallet, which might be handy. Um, I'm, but other than that, uh, I've got nothing. <laughs> I am speaking with uh, Alison Evans, and in the zombie apocalypse, they will be armed with an Allen key. So if the zombies get <laughs> really, really close, they might get put, to, they might get taken apart like an IKEA cabinet. Uh, <laughs> Alison's new novel is Highway Bodies, and it is it is a fantastic zombie novel that it really, as we said before, it explores love and relationships between a wonderful uh, wonderful group of teens. Alison, thank you so much for joining me on Final Draft again. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's wonderful to come back. That's it for this great conversation with Alison Evans. Alison's new novel is Highway Bodies, and it's out now from Echo Publishing. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. If you want to keep up with us, keep up with the latest in books, writing, and literary culture, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you just look for at Final Draft 2SER. And uh, if you want to get more great conversations, you can follow us by clicking subscribe in your podcast app, and a new one will pop up every week.
My name is Andrew Popel. I am going to be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. So till then, happy reading.